1: I can't decide whether we ought to make this season three. No, absolutely one. not. No, no still in season so two. stupid. Still in season two then.
3: 2019.
1: Um, and of course, this is the quirky bit, which tradition dictates we will start with a joke, don't we?
3: Yeah.
1: Yeah. So how about this one? Oh, I
3: have a good one. Oh, god. On, I've thought of this before and I'm just, I've just remembered it now. your own joke? No, oh, no. Uh, no, no. I saw it on Twitter and I thought, that's a funny jerk. Mm. <laughs> Which is not the same as thinking of it yourself, no. actually. What's the most judgmental type of hot tub? I don't know. A jacuzzi.
1: A jacuzzi.
3: That's good, though, isn't is it?
1: it? Yes, it's not bad. And uh, this is a joke from Joel Dommett. He
3: was in the jungle. Oh, was he? Ah, mm-hmm. I wondered who the heck he, he um, was. he was a, so a stand up
1: comedian then I presume.
3: Yeah, but he he's on all those touches and stuff and then he was in the jungle but he sent what he was famous for before that was he sent a picture of his Yes male parts um to someone like online and they were turned out that they were catfish and it got sent it got everywhere like it got right. it was in the news and
1: stuff. Oh, he got famous after that. Anyway, Well no, he
3: a, was already a comedian before that uh, but then that kind of made him more famous.
1: Yeah, this is his joke in If you arrive fashionably late in Crocs, you're just late, says Joel Donnett. You're not a fan of I don't think that, that's no? a great joke, really. Yeah, well, there you are. That's his, uh, I
3: think my jacuzzi one was better.
1: Hmm. Well, we could put it out to the public. Should we start? We've got some levels. Yeah. Tell me about the hippos. You mentioned something at hippos yesterday.
3: Pablo Escobar. Pablo
1: and Hi- Escobar.
3: And hippos. Right. So... Columbia
1: mm-hmm.
3: is that where that's right isn't it what, that's pa- where Palo Escobar is, is from, yeah, yeah. from
1: Columbia yeah. so he's Columbia a drug, drug, drug lord,
3: drug lord um, with all the cocaine mm-hmm. and he's like there was the most infamous one and now he's he got shot by the police but before that he was the most infamous one and he was mm-hmm. on the most wanted list and everything but in Colombia and obviously massively massively rich and he decided that he wanted a zoo his own private, his own private zoo, zoo yeah. in Colombia. I don't know whether you've heard about that so he wanted this zoo, and he gets lots of different animals and stuff, blah, blah, blah. And he got hippos, and he brought the hippos to Colombia. And the hippos are only in Africa. There's no hippos in the rest of the world, apart from at in, the, zoos, in zoos. Yeah. But he brought them to Colombia. So then Pablo Escobar was shot, and his estate got handed over to the, the Colombian the government. government yeah. um, and they sent all the other animals back to their own zoos and whatnot. I, I always wonder whether "whatnot" is a word, it isn't It's it? what not. Well, it's sort of a word. Um, so they got sent back to their zoos and whatever, and then the hippos didn't. The hippos got to stay because... So the, in Colombia, the rainforest area, is the perfect place for hippos. It's really... Because in, um, it's wet, in so Africa, lots of, lots of hippos die often because those have droughts and there's not enough water and whatever. But in Colombia, that's not a problem there's always loads of water they had no natural predators so now Colombia has got this massive hippo problem with just being completely overrun by hippos so they they um, um and ah about what to do with it what to do and stuff and then so they went out a team of Colombian like soldiers and they went out and killed a hippo and then people got really annoyed about the killing of the hippo which you can understand if you don't know the whole story why that mm. looks really bad but the hippos are causing a massive problem and hippos are really terrif like really really dangerous like more people get killed by hippos than like lions or any other animal and stuff they're really really vicious and so they've got this massive hippo problem and no one will let them do anything about the hippos and they had and they don't even understand themselves how big the problem is because they can't even they've built like these massive big brick walls and fences and stuff and the hippos just plough straight through them they're like really crazy yeah. strong and so they got this hippo expert from africa and he was like this is absolutely huge this is out of hand you can't even move them now because there's too many of them and what you need to do is you need to kill all the hippos
1: all of them you need to get
3: rid of all the hippos because they they, it's just unsustainable it's like rabbits a bit and they have loads and loads of children now as well and they get big really quickly so they even if they killed off all the males now this, they have, like, ten children or something each, so there's already too many hippos. And wow. they've got this massive hippo problem because of pa- Pablo yeah.
1: Escobar. That is amazing. It's the law of unintended consequences, isn't it? Uninten- What's that? Well, uh, unintended consequences. They brought the hippos over because he wanted his private zoo... The conditions were perfect for for hippos there. So they're breeding, and there's loads, loads more of them. It's rather like, you know, if you chop a tree in China, the effect it will have on the rest. It's one of those things. The
3: butterfly wings on the sea. that's the one. Causes a tsunami. Yeah, causes a tsunami.
1: The butterfly effect. It's the butterfly effect, isn't it? All unintended consequences, which is interesting.
3: Which is interesting, because I had another thing. I was going to ask you, Mm. would you kill a baby Hitler?
1: Would you kill a baby Hitler? Yeah. Would you know it was a baby... Unless it was a little baby with one no, of No, so you go moustaches. back in time
3: to... What, 1889, that was when he was born, wasn't it? Mm. So you go back to 1889, and you've got a little tiny baby Hitler. Would you kill the baby Hitler? Well, yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: But, that, but that's then, a different thing, I think. I think that is a different Yeah, that's thing. a
3: different thing to hippos. Yeah,
1: it's a different True. thing with the hippos. The, I think there was a whole Simpsons episode. As you know, most of my knowledge comes from the Simpsons. And there was a whole Simpsons episode where... Bart had something in his but Bart started basically an epidemic of uh, I think it was toads wasn't it in uh, he took a pet toad or something yeah. to Australia and, yeah, st- yeah. and then the Australian government arrested him and all that sort of thing yeah yeah but it's interesting because our next topic is sort of unintended consequences. <laughs> Yeah, we've talked a a wee bit about Brexit, but obviously your generation especially, but a lot of other people as well, look on things like free movement, that's a good thing we all say free free mobile. the movement when when we look when we look at the eu one of the good things about it is as far as your generation is concerned especially because obviously you've got the futures to look forward to is freedom of movement but i was reading a thing about uh, countries like latvia lithuania estonia they're finding that because there's freedom of movement communities villages places that were once thriving places are now sort of bereft of young people. Mm. There's a a, a place called uh, Marciena, which is in Latvia, which uh, would have been, especially at this time of the year, what they describe as a winter wonderland. It'd be full of life. But what's happened is since it's uh, a
3: very pretty picture of a nice house with some snow on. Correct.
1: Well. And what, what they found is, and they've got an interview with uh, with a retired teacher, an 81 year old. She says there's been a complete exodus. All the young people, because obviously they could earn more elsewhere in Europe.
3: Mm-hmm. So all the young more pe- opportunities.
1: Yeah, all the young people have gone. And I was thinking to myself, it's very much the same as the north of England in a way.
3: Yeah, everyone goes. To London
1: a Freedom of movement, but is then it, again, it's that's not. A, it's not a totally good thing.
3: No, it's not. I mean, it's good for us, though, because we need. There's mm. a shortage. I'm of, just wondering if it's good for the young, of, of, unskilled labourers in England.
1: But I'm just wondering if it's, it's bad for other countries. Yes, it's bad for other countries. These young sucks for them, eh? Well, yeah, but we is freaking it, who? Is it? Is it, is, it <laughs> no. is it all a good thing?
3: No, I don't think it's all a good thing at all. Well, obviously not, because. You're getting places like that that are left with no one, and you've seen what it's like. The high—I'm sure that high like, streets in the north suffer because people move to London so much. Mm. Like, I bet that's a thing. I don't know, but well, it, is a it thing. will be it's a
1: def- thing. Well, it's definitely a thing, and you, you don't need statistics. I, I was saying this to you because I'm, I'm working sort of like in, in London quite a lot. But living in uh, Wakefield, you want, you can feel it. You wander around the people yeah. in Wakefield. Wakefield is really to, quiet. Well, it's not so much the quietness; it's just that people are, are older. You go to London, and immediately people are younger. But well, people from all over the world, obviously. Yeah, uh, it's a lot of tourism to in
3: London, though. Remember.
1: There's a lot of tourism, but also p- just, just the people that live there. Yeah, uh, and I think yeah, I'm people...
3: sure London has a younger population than oh, Wakefield.
1: You, if you went to Wakefield or Burnley or Grimsby or any of those places that uh, that voted voted leave, uh, you'll find that they're probably sort of older communities yeah. than, than they are in.
3: Apart from people who live like immigrant populations, mm. which are quite young. Yeah. In like in Wakefield, there's a really big po- Polish mm. population, yeah. and that's that's probably the youngest
1: yeah. but what demographic. I'm saying, what I'm saying is the, the you know the more you learn about uh, about Brexit, or the, the more uh, don't
3: the, become a not, are you becoming a lever.
1: No, I'm not becoming a, becoming a lever. I'm still I'm still a member. No, th- but, but that's what,
3: the whole point is that nothing's black and white in Brexit. Precisely that's but what I'm we, we, saying. Everyone, well, well people yes, should know that
1: people. Well, by now, what I'm saying is everything. The more you learn, and the more. You know, the more arguments there are, the more you realise that it's not a black and white argument in yeah. any way whatsoever. Non,
3: none of the topics no. are black and white, apart from Erasmus, yeah. which is the study abroad program, which is just black and white.
1: Well, the Erasmus the study abroad program is going to carry on anyway.
3: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, but, but everything else is really, really complicated and yeah, really difficult. Was,
1: uh, and it was just reading this thing about Latvia that, that brought it brought it home to me. But I thought everything, all the issues are so complex, but yet we were given a simple yes or no answer: leave or which is the well, most ridiculous thing in the world to be given that but what would you, what, that binary choice? But well, what would
3: the other? What would the question? The question could never have been anything. It shouldn't have been a question for the public in the first no, place. No, precisely.
1: But, That's the whole point.
3: But we'll leave. But we can't have a second referendum now. I don't think it's undemocratic to have a second referendum there. Yeah. Like you know, because a lot of people are saying, well, you can't just vote for one thing and then decide it's not okay. Like I think. That's not the reason. I think that we just can't have another because it's too it's too complex. And I don't know what the question would be anyway.
1: No. So we're we're left as we start twenty nineteen, we're left in limbo.
3: Floundering.
1: Floundering, absolutely. Should we talk about Kira Knightley? I think we've mentioned Kira Knightley we've before. We've mentioned her
3: before because she wrote that really good article about childbirth. Did she? What was don't that? Don't you remember? What did she say? she yeah. said like Kate Middleton shouldn't have come out looking so perfect.
2: Ah, because...
3: Yes. Or, or she can, but there needs to be more acknowledgement of how childbirth is horrific and scary.
1: That's right. Well, Kira, God bless her. I mean, who knew she was going to be such a spokesperson when we watched Bend It Like Beckham? But, oh, um,
3: Bend It Like Beckham is such a film. Like, it's so good, is Bend It Like Beckham. But then someone... I, I read something about Bend It Like Beckham. I didn't actually read it, I just saw a tweet, I think. <laughs> um, and they were saying that Bend It Like Beckham should have been, like, the queer cult film.
1: The queer cult film, like
3: it should have been, it should have, they should have been isn't gay, not like it? Like Keira Knightley and um, what's her name? Pam Indanagra. Someone just said that they, that's what it should. The film should have been. Absolutely. But I think it's great, now. Well, we Keira- watched that in school, you know, in um, in RE class to, about multiculturalism.
1: Ah, right. That yeah. was at uh, high school. Yeah, right? high school. Yeah. yeah. Well, Keira- we watched
3: that and we watched East is
2: East.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, multicultural. It mood, makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. And then, presume you had a little lesson afterwards—a little sort of a she little homi- homily from the teacher about, see, yeah. we should all live together. In, no, in no, and no it homily. wasn't like that. It
3: was like, well, no, what in the Bible suggests that multiculturalism is a good thing? Like ah. that would kind of be the question. Would well, it? Yeah. So, is, like, society—society right, um, um, should be multicultural, um, how, and then, um, how far do you agree or disagree with this? And so, you'd need like three points from the Bible that back up that.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Yes, because as far as I know, I've not read much of the Bible. No, Jesus know, says, um, love your love your neighbour. Yeah, but he doesn't say anything about multiculturalism. I mean, he so.
3: hangs out with prostitutes.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Fair enough. And, um, oh, what's it called? The, I don't remember. Lepers. Lepers. Lepers, no, no, not that. The other, the like, the posher people from thingy. I can't oh, the remember. The money lenders. Yeah, maybe. Tax man. He hands, hangs around with a tax man. Does he? There's the story... What is the story where they You've the loved, the
1: good the good the, 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 Italy, the
3: good Baptist the guy and he collapses on the street and then um three people walk past him and one is a priest and one is a rabbi but the third person who should be bad but he stops ah. and helps him. What's that? What's he called? The good.
1: Good Samaritan.
3: Good Samaritan. That's yes. the one
1: Right. Good. That's um, totally irrelevant to this and Knightley thing. She's saying that uh, uh, Me Too shuts out men, is the headline, uh, says Kira Knightley. She fears that the debate, triggered by Harvey Weinstein's uh, alleged sexual bullying, is segmenting to a hatred of men. The British actress, when asked if she worried that the debate was misandrist, there's a word for you, misandrist, which means obviously hating men, uh, responded absolutely, adding that men should be involved in conversations about future behaviour between the sexes. So she thinks men are being shut out from the debate. But
3: isn't it men's responsibility for them to get involved with the debate? Do you know what I mean? She was saying men should be...
1: What did she say? Men
3: should be encouraged to...
1: Yes, men should be involved. Men should be involved. Okay, well,
3: involve yourselves.
1: Well, yes, I I think what she might be saying is that the problem with men is they do tend to get shut down quite... uh, quite a lot these days i mean i was having a completely innocent discussion with uh, one of your sisters and she said oh yes well from the position of white male privilege so we're sort of damned if we do and we're damned if we don't you know you open your mouth and oh yes we really wanted to hear from a white privileged male uh, at this stage you know what i mean There is a bit. You know, of that. there
3: is a bit of that yeah there is maybe it is men's job to take a step back especially white men to take a step back and say like this is Women's chance to talk about this for a bit.
1: Well, yes, I agree with you, but you can't say you can't. On the one hand, say maybe this is men's chance to take a step back and say, yeah, let women talk about this, and then at the same time say uh, men should be involved in these discussions. Well, I'm not saying involved if you. Well, Keira Knightley is. Um, no,
3: she's saying yeah, but she's saying that the Me Too movement has become misandrist
1: Yes, and shut it. I don't and think, I think she's right. I'm not I sure think she's totally you think spot
3: on. It's become misandrist Oh yeah,
1: totally, totally. I think probably the, the, just the phrase "privileged white male," which seems to be but that's, that's about all over. The I'm place. a
3: privileged white woman.
1: What I'm saying is you can't have it both ways, and I think Kira Knightley is absolutely spot on. She's a, she's a wise woman, is Kira Knightley, <laughs> uh, both on this and other issues
3: men should be allowed to talk about things because also so it,
1: but would you you accept it, it, that men are often sort of shut down because yeah you yeah you can't stop being a privilege yeah but it's women what you, are and you can't you
3: can no 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 but it's about okay so maybe men are shut down by that and it's unfair that they are but it's also okay for men to acknowledge their privilege i think that's all that's all i think it needs
1: let's talk about louis ck who now seems he can not louis ck Has only got to open his
3: mouth. I mean, come on, though.
1: What?
3: Well, you can't expect... I don't think he should be able to rehabilitate his career.
1: At what point, though, does Louis C.K.? Well, he
3: shouldn't be able to work in the limelight. He shouldn't be able to work in show business anymore. The more I think about it, the more I think that that is it. Because if you allow someone to say that, like, yeah, you can do these things and it's all right, you can get back to the point... Of power that you were in before, then what message does that send to people? So it's a
1: power thing that's. Yeah. The of, because he's a stand up. If, 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 if he was an actor, would that be all right? No.
3: An Any point of, um, of like a public position, I don't think he should be able to have anymore. Mm. I think you've got, you made your bed, you've got to lay in it.
1: Not many emails this week, Ruth. Yeah, but uh, it's been
3: Christmas, has not it? It's been
1: Christmas. Um, however, Martin Leo did send us an email. And he was talking about... Is this it's,
3: just a pseudonym for yourself?
1: <laughs> no, it's not. He's uh, he's called Martin. He, he, he's, he's addressed that issue. He says, I'm only 32, not a crony... And
3: called Martin?
1: Yes, well, that's what he Wild. says. He says, I'm only 32, I'm not a crony, but apparently I have, quotes, one of those names from way back. Because on the last podcast I was talking about clickbait.
3: Oh, right,
1: okay. And so he's addressed that. He said, years ago, in the height of the listicle, the listicle were things on the internet, 17 things you never knew about avocados, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. He said, in the height of that, I made a conscious decision not to click on any link that included a number, he said. And it was pretty effective. Perhaps Ruth might like to try the same thing with, you won't believe how... Anything that starts, you won't yeah. believe how, or anything. How she looks now is stunning, about people's looks. Yeah, yeah,
3: you won't believe what it looks like today. Yeah. yeah,
1: precisely. Yeah,
3: For the new year, this is my new year's resolution, kind of. Um, you can set timers on Instagram of how long you want to be allowed ah. to browse on Instagram. And so my average on Instagram was like an hour, which You're is disgusting, joking. like an hour a day I would spend on Instagram. So I've set it at 30 minutes, and wow. I'm not going to go on it for more than 30 minutes a day, Marvelous. which I think is healthy.
1: Yeah, that, that is healthy. And uh, uh, as one of the younger generation, 32, sort of mm-hmm. millennials, uh, he's told me how to, but you'd already tell me this.
3: Oh, did you see that thing? This is, again, not related to this. It was like, there's no 20th century children anymore.
1: What, nobody? No, 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 um, well, no, no,
3: tw- no millennium baby children. No, like, 20th century children anymore, or 21st century children. Like, no one who was born 2000...
1: Nobody was born in the in 20th
3: century children anymore. That's crazy. Because everyone's adults now. Right. Because it's 2019. So everyone so who was born, born in, in 2000, 2000 is eight, now an adult.
1: I was 18 as an adult. Oh, that's so mean. Yeah. It
3: seems like I still think it's 2010 I mean, in my head. Yeah. So people who were born in 2006, which feels like a year ago, like two, people who were born in 2006 must be like three years old. They're not, they're like 12.
1: Mm. Well, it is. You, you're getting older, Ruth. Yeah, I mean, what do you think it's like for me? I, you know, I see somebody born in 1974, and I thought, blimey, I was already working in 1974, and I'm, now I'm working with people who were born in, now, and, who born in 1974. No, people like were born in 1974.
3: are like, they're like, oh, they could have kids who are 18. could have
1: grandkids now. If they lived in Burnley. Wow,
3: anyway, Burnley's getting some share today. <laughs> well,
1: they beat us two nil on. Um, in the are football. we going
3: to win the league? Who, West Ham? No, leads.
1: Uh, Leeds. Leeds United may very well win the championship. I hope they do.
3: But um, they got beat yesterday, didn't they? They did. But they were, had ten men, so it's fine.
1: So, um, a bit of football knowledge coming through there. It's I just want
3: us to win. I think it'd be lovely.
1: Yeah, it would, it would be great. Thank you, Martin, for your email. If you want to email us, it's Podcast at gmail.com. That's I usually do it twice, once for the hard of hearing. Martin and Ruth podcast. <laughs> I think if they're, listening, if they're hard of
3: hearing and they're listening to a podcast, they're doing a bloody good job.
1: Absolutely. Although, My- yeah.
3: I was listening to one of these beautiful anonymous things. This is another podcast that's like um, one-hour-long conversations with anonymous people whatever. Right. And he had a phone call from a deaf guy. So, obviously, the whole thing was like, what do you... What? How... Mm. <laughs> And so it was a woman who was speaking on his behalf because he will send off the podcast to get transcribed, and, and then he will read the podcast. And then no. he rang in; he was signing, and someone else was speaking. Yeah, if that's, if someone was to transcribe, that's
1: mad, isn't it? It's mad; it's balmy. But if someone was to transcribe this podcast, it doesn't half look funny when things are, Tran- are r- yeah, yeah. written down. We we did it with with the, the other podcast that I do, and we got uh, a printout of it. And we couldn't believe it. It just looked like gibberish. The whole thing yeah, it probably yeah. sounds like gibberish, but it looked even, even more like it. Um, so it's Martin and Ruth Podcast at gmail dot com, and you may very well get a, a short reply from me. And uh, a mens- no reply from me, and no reply from you, <laughs> and a, and a mention on the podcast.
3: Do you want
2: to have some music?
1: Let's have some music. Uh, let's have a short break.
0: Pack your bags with high quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365 day returns.
1: And you introduced me to, uh, to your- business. Oh, am I so, going first? Yeah.
3: So my song is called Blue Boss and it's by someone called Sampa the Great. Oh. Revolution,
1: honestly, you walk
3: until you're until to your dad. And she itching for a fixing for her life, crap. Yeah. And go ahead
1: and try to tell me we're living in two different worlds. My, uh, it's time for you to see that this is democracy. And the rich are getting richer, but how poor we gonna be? Oh, how dumb we gonna be? Freedom is the land of the. So, what's it all about? Uh, So, I like the uh, I like the sort of little uh, woodwind section behind. Well, I chose this because it's
3: quite interesting. So, she was born in Zambia and then raised in Botswana and then she moved to Australia. So, she's most popular in Australia. Her music is really interesting because it's a really mix of like sort of African like beats and stuff, hip hop as well, but also like jazz. It's quite jazzy, but Mm, then she raps in it it a lot. So I just thought it was really interesting because she's also like a poet and a songwriter, so her music is often quite political and stuff. Her rap. What what was the
1: song about? I heard her mention democracy and various. Yeah, it's about. But do we know what it is? Not really. We don't know what the message is now.
3: No, I probably. I mean, if I read it a lot, and then. I mean, I think you would have to analyse it like poetry, but I've not done that. But she's really good. And it's really interesting. Yeah. But it's like urban poetry, politi- urban political poetry, in, but with jazz and African yeah. hip hop and stuff. So I just thought it was cool. Yeah,
1: it's the old UPP, urban political poetry. Uh, well, my song uh, is very difficult to analyse as well. Um, we go back to 1962, the uh, pre Beatles period when the American crooners were very popular. Uh, and the person we're going to listen to is Paul Anker.
3: I know Paul Anker.
1: Well, you only know Paul Anker because I told you my Paul Anker story.
3: No, and also because of the dog in Gilmore Girls.
1: The dog? Ah, yeah, tell me about the dog in Gilmore Girls.
3: The dog in Gilmore Girls is called Paul Anker.
1: It's called Paul Anker. Yeah. Well, That's it,
3: that's the whole story. (laughs) That's the
1: entire story. And you know my Paul Anker story, which I did tell you when uh, I spoke to somebody on the... Uh, in the accounts department of uh, Condé Nast magazines when I was trying to get paid for something. And she said, my second name is Anker. I'll spell that for you. And I said, what about Paul Anker?" And she said, yeah, that's my dad. <laughs> so she was one of the... Paul Anchor he had five daughters. Paul that's Anka. a lot. Yeah. Do you know what his daughters were called? No, you won't. Pauline? No, his daughters were called, almost on that theme, his daughters were called Amelia, Anthea, Alicia, oh. Amanda and Alexandra. so a bit hate like, that. That's a bit like idea. the Kardashians, you know, with yeah, the Ks. Yeah, exactly. That's well.
3: where the Kardashians got it from. Apparently they're big Paul Anka fans. Yeah, of
1: course they are. But of course, as we know, Paul Anka wrote many, many fine tunes, including uh, this one, uh, which is called Esso Beso. So, Yeah, that's what we were listening to in 90s. I knew that song. Did you? Yeah, you, I were, think it's so. been in movies. Yeah, sure. yeah, yeah. It's amazing how difficult it is to find something from the 1960s uh, that you don't know because, you know, they've all been in movies or on yeah, adverts. Yeah, yeah. But that's, that's what.
3: That, I swear. I mean, if it's not, they should use it. I swear that was on like a Bisto advert, you know, because it's like Bisto best.
1: Uh, what gravy? Yeah. Yeah, it could very well be. If not, Beaster. It's not
3: Good B- idea. Bisto, it's Bisto. Bista? Bista? Yeah, Bisto? Bisto. Bisto.
1: The record was oh, I've that.
3: always said Bisto.
1: Yeah.
3: Bisto like Beaster. I know you're
1: a big fan of their uh, vegetarian gravy, aren't you? I'm a aren't huge you? fan. Yeah. But anyway, that's uh, Esso by Paul Anker. And that's what we were listening to in 1962 when we were sitting there waiting for the Beatles to uh, come <laughs> right. on. Right. Uh, um, and thankfully they did. Yeah. Uh, he also wrote uh, Put Your Head On My Shoulder. Do you know that one? Put Your Head i will not <laughs>
3: Yeah, but, I, mean,
1: I was going uh, to say. And Diana, uh, he started yeah. at the age of 14. That's
3: nice. not his most famous one that he wrote was um, the one that Frank Sinatra does.
1: He famously wrote the English lyric to My Way. Uh, yeah, he, My Way, that's yeah, what it's called. He didn't write the tune, the tune was uh, written back up by a of French people. But he did write the, uh, the English lyric to My Way, which obviously has been his pension. But he didn't need a pension because he's out working. 77 years old. Seventy-seven years old, born in uh, nineteen forty-one. He also wrote. It doesn't matter anymore for Buddy Holly, which was Buddy Holly's hit after he died. Wrote some fantastic songs, and as I say, oh, he also. Wrote she's a lady, Tom Jones. Ah, oh. she's a lady. You know that one. Don't
3: no you? more singing.
1: No, well, I'm not singing. I'm just trying. To, I mean, I could sing that. I know she's well. a lady. Yeah, and that's an easy one to sing because as you know, I can do Tom Jones.
3: Tom Jones.
1: No, Tom Jones, you've got to be very gruff. You've got to be very gruff when you do Tom Jones. No,
3: it's gravelly, that's the word you say. Oh, gravelly. Yeah, that's Uh, better.
1: Tom Jones is gravelly. Um, But anyway, or as they say in Wales, gravelly. And he was married to the same woman from 1963 to 2001. uh, And then got divorced. And then he got married again in 2008. He married his personal trainer. And that... (laughs)
3: That's so... That's yeah. so Well, he
1: married his personal trainer. And that lasted until 2010, just the two wow. years, that one. And he got married again in 2016. And uh, Two? The, the time I can't remember. Not, no one said. famous. No one famous, no. And at the time of going to press, he's still married and he's 77 years old. Also, I, I think he had a son by um, his personal trainer back in 2008. So he'd be quite an old, very old Yeah, dad. very old. Yeah. Um, anyway... So um, that, that, you can
3: find the full songs oh yeah
1: us, well if you remember to put them up we can find the full songs so there's one up. or two missing there
3: I don't think so now. no mm. really I think I've added them all here okay, well go anyway on, you, find you can find the full songs on Spotify um, you can search Martin and Ruth or Ruthie Me and My Dad and that'll get you to the playlist with these two songs and the songs from all the other weeks
1: Sarah Cox, uh, who's obviously a DJ, she's saying girls should not be forced to wear skirts, she's saying, as part of their school uniform, because it's uh, old fashioned. Yeah. You want.
3: I agree entirely.
1: You know, and you've got a point about ties as well, you know. Oh,
3: yeah, because I was saying, isn't it weird that girls are made to wear ties at school when women would never wear ties? I mean, apart from Annie Hall. Women would never wear ties, really. In the in, I mean, they can if they want to, and that's fine if you want mm. to wear a tie. But it's weird that we that girls wear yeah. ties just
1: in school. Yeah, I wonder where the school uniform thing came from. And, and I, I think, think it's, it's a good thing a that bizarre... people have school
3: uniform, really.
1: Yes, well, we've discussed that. I before, think overall, yeah, at least yeah. you you know it's egalitarian. Yeah. Isn't it? yeah. Well,
3: that's why everyone wears the same things in communist dictatorships as well. <laughs> also, just on a practical point of view, like trousers are easier although I wear skirts to school but I chose to wear skirts for the look
1: yeah well I I, I (laughs) I
3: think you should just be able to choose if you want to wear a skirt or or trousers yeah
1: and I think the thing with with skirts as well is there's all the row about the lengths you always have that sort of thing don't you
3: but then there was rows about how tight your trousers could be as well. Oh, was there. Yeah. All oh, right. There was rats about how tight your trousers could be for boys as well. though.
1: Whatever you do with uh, with uniform, the child, the pupil, will always try to uh, adapt Push it, it to yeah. some extent. Yeah. We we always. Do. I got into trouble for wearing a blue shirt at school. we were supposed to wear a white shirt with a tie, and I got. Why? I, I wore a blue one. <laughs> That's know. stupid. Yeah. Well, while we're on the subject of of younger children than yourself mm. there was an interesting piece about the difference between an orchid and a dandelion this is stupid
3: this is, this, is this stupid yeah.
1: it, it seemed a bit stupid to me but what they're saying is one in every five children are how
3: would they get where have they got that statistic they've pulled that out of their asses.
1: well one in every five children are orchids it says here who are highly sensitive to their environment and more prone to illness and breakdowns but are also capable of excelling at the highest levels if they're properly parented. Uh, this is according to a leading paediatrician. Uh, this
3: is how would you, how could you know that one in five were orchids?
1: Well, it's a statistic, isn't it?
3: Basically, orchids are sensitive; dandelions are resilient.
1: Yeah, and if you have uh, two children or you have more than one child, anyway, you you should differentiate between the ones who are orchids and need the more sensitive handling. And the ones that are dandelions. But who are surely, more I
3: mean, this is a nurture slash nurture nurture thing. But surely, if you treat someone like they're sensitive, they become sensitive. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Like, how is the child born an orchid, or do you raise them so then they become well, an orchid? This is saying,
1: no, this is saying that they're born an orchid. They're, they're but I don't think they an
3: are. An I think that it's all to do with how you how you get raised, isn't it?
1: As fortune would have it, I've been to see a film called Three Identical Strangers. Which was about these uh, triplets mm-hmm. that were, as an experiment, as actually as a very sort of cruel almost like the Truman Show. The, well, like the Truman Show, yeah, but, but in real life. But in real life. Um, and it's important we distinguish sorry is the Truman
3: Show <laughs> not real I'm really confused because uh, he, he gets out and then he becomes an actor I
1: think we're yeah? all in he's a,
3: in the Grinch yeah, right I think we're all in a
1: version <laughs> of the Truman Show but in Three Identical Strangers which is a brilliant brilliant documentary it was about this experiment that uh, Pediatricians in America did psychiatrists did mm. uh, in the 1960s and uh, makes sense yeah three triplets were born to a sort of feckless troubled mother if you like and she gave them up for adoption and they selected these children and put them in three different sorts of families so one was put in sort of like a blue collar family one was put in um a sort of middle middle sort of lower middle class family another one was put with a a surgeon you know a top a top surgeon very rich family in the scarsdale area of new york
3: blue collar blue collar is 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 sort
1: of like uh, manual work that sort of thing so they were all uh, so three they were all raised differently classes, yeah. and then by chance they uh, they met each other oh they yes. weren't
3: meant to meet each other no
1: not at all uh by chance what happened is one of them went to college and his brother had been at college and everybody thought he they were identical twins yeah yeah, yeah. and one of them thought he started being addressed as this other person and he said Not and, he, and eventually somebody said, Go, I've got to take." And they took him to meet the other person, yeah. and then the third one appeared in the newspapers. Then, and then the
3: third one was like, "Shit, one, it's me!"
1: Yeah, precisely. <laughs> it's a brilliant film, but one of them committed suicide because there was a history of uh, mental health in in the fact, and it was sort of genetic in the family, like. the the in, in the, the family that the
3: biological family
1: yes in the biological yeah, family yeah, yeah. and uh, that was the film was all about nature nurture and at one stage you thought it's all to do with nature and um, because they looked alike they had similar proclivities so you thought that it was all about nature but by the end of it you thought there was a bit of a sort of nature nurture debate and it, nothing I mean, was, so nothing was settled except that it was a very cruel experiment because they all had separation yeah, issues so. having even the fact that they were separated uh, at a very very early stage they had issues mm. involving that and yeah. uh, they were you know I
3: don't I don't believe that people are born bad though but then again you see some people who do terrible terrible things and they've been raised in perfectly ordinary mm. families yeah. and then they've got really these really terrible like mental health issues and stuff so I don't
1: know no well we don't mm-hmm. and, and even having watched the film you don't know After well yeah
3: they've done an experiment those, but they still can't find they're out still coming out, yeah. and
1: as it turned out the experiment was if you look at it it was cruel because one of the uh, one of the kids who were separated uh, committed suicide mm-hmm. now I was asking you yesterday if we had anything in the lines of reality tv or anything isn't there much going on or kardashians or anything? I've of not those been things? watching
3: much reality tv it's christmas yeah, I watched Love Actually, obviously. Um, we watched <laughs> and, Elf.
1: And I watched It's a Wonderful Life. But
3: I didn't, I've not, no, I didn't watch we, it this year. The
1: old, yeah, we didn't go to the pictures to watch We've it. Not I been, I just, we
3: didn't go last year, though, either. No,
1: I think It's a Wonderful Life is over for us.
3: No, I think... I feel like it'll come back, but I just, I'd had one too point,
1: much. One, yeah, I think you're right. One point about It's a Wonderful Life is that uh, when when he's being shown what Pottersville is like... And Pottersville. He, yeah. Looks. And he, he wants, yeah, so so it's changed from Bedford Falls to Pottersville and it's been shown how bad it is and how he goes to the bar and they're all Luigi the is terrible and etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. And he's being shown all that in Pottersville and how his mum keeps a boarding house and oh, it's terrible. And uh, then he asks what's happened to Mary and <laughs> we go and see Mary and uh, her eyesight has got bad for some unknown reason under Potter's regime. Yeah, So she's wearing glasses. And she's working in the library. And yeah. as somebody pointed out Tragic. to me... Tragic. Well, yes, but as somebody pointed out to me, no way would Potter have kept the library open. Yeah. I mean, the Tories are closing the libraries. I'm sure Potter would have closed the library.
3: I did have something about the Arctic.
1: Oh, yeah, you're going to us about the Arctic?
3: So, the Arctic Circle here so half of it is and so there's all these arctic the arctic doesn't belong to anyone and the ocean is not really usable very much Um, only in the summer when the ice is really really thin can ships pass through it it's not there's not a lot going on there it's pretty quiet but and so there's countries that go around it it's like norway sweden greenland which is owned by denmark yeah. russia and then canada and a bit of the us because there's alaska so those are the countries that go around it and ice caps melting this isn't news but um, so countries have the
1: front page, ice caps melt
3: (laughs) countries have these things have continental shelves so that's like the um, land masses that are underwater but are still part of the country because the ice caps are melting and we're starting to see more of the oil that's in the arctic circle um, the ice is much thinner for longer parts of the year and so ships are being able to pass through and stuff so there's a whole load host of problems that are called that i mean it's really really bad for the climate it's terrible terrible but that's not what i want to talk about what i want to talk about is how all these countries are claiming that their continental shelves are on top of one another because you can put in a uh, an application to like the un or something it's like a bunch of scientists who decide to say that like this this bit of my of continental shelf is mine hence I own the ocean there because then that you own the oil as well so obviously all these countries really want to have that and there's an island called Svalbard which doesn't belong to anyone these five countries have decided that they will all own it a little bit and then so Russia have the most of the arctic and they own most of it so they've set up a coal mine on svalbard which makes them no money but um they want to have an economic roots there so then when they start to talk about who's going to own the arctic once the ice caps have entirely melted and all the oil becomes available they want a seat at the table basically to discuss it so there's this this place called it's called like battersburg or something in svalbard and it's got statues of lenin there's Russian flags it looks like a Russian town but it's not actually Russia or anything and they just want it so they can discuss it and s- they can sit at the table mm. and decide who gets to own these parts of the Arctic and it's really mad and then now they think they're going to set up as like a tourist hotspot and stuff and it's just it's absolutely insane how all these and these countries have now the, the new thing is that there's a section of the Arctic Circle that Greenland so Denmark um, Russia and Canada have all claimed that their continental shelf is on this bit of land and Russia have t- sent a submarine down there and planted a flag on the bottom of the ocean to say that that's really? my bit And they ha- and they but it's all stayed very friendly because obviously if it becomes hostile then they're less likely to, to have the continental shelf claimed as their own but it is a bit worrying <laughs> because this could start like a whole little argument and stuff and I hadn't heard anyone talking about it
1: no I haven't where did you find out about this I
3: found it on this there's a YouTube channel it's called Vox and they do they've done a series that's all about borders so it's about borders in very, like various different places mm. and it's about borders in about, weird places. Do they stuff. talk about
1: space exploration? Because that sounds to me like exactly the sort of argument that we're going with to get. Like Mars with, and the moon with, with Mars and, stuff. and the moon and space exploration. Yeah, but we
3: don't have to look to space. You can They're literally doing it right now. And so they've all put in these claims for their continental shelves. And two of them have been passed, the ones from Sweden and Norway. But it's not p- particularly important. But Russia claims that like the Arctic is entirely theirs, and if then all the oil everywhere else runs out, and these are our last oil reserves—these ones that are in the Arctic—then Russia will be the most powerful country in the world.
1: Wow. Well, that's something we can we can worry about. I never knew any of that. So there's you, a new worry. Yeah. See, when I see you on the internet, I always think, oh, she's looking at uh, Instagram for her hour a day. Um, but clearly, you were uh, you were on Fox. That's that's it's a fascinating. That's interesting,
3: isn't it? It's very. But very that's my interesting. only source of information from that is all that just that video so i mean i should have probably done research from other sources but i ran out of time no
1: well fair enough at least you've you've raised it we can we can all do our own research really (laughs) meme of the week
3: oh yeah oh it's not going to be good again and then you're not going to laugh and it's really awkward what is heavier 200 pounds of bricks or 200 pounds of feathers
1: Well, the answer is they're both the same.
3: The answer is the feathers. 200 pounds of bricks is just a bunch of bricks, but if you try to carry 200 pounds of feathers, you also have to carry the weight of what you did to those poor birds. (laughs) That's funny, isn't
1: it? It's mildly amusing. It's
3: really difficult when it's just text.
1: Yeah, well, sometimes when when you do one of those memes, that's. I mean, I don't know why.
3: So I forget what I've seen and then I forget. I need to write down the one that I'm going to do when I see it. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Pen and paper. it's it's a marvellous thing Uh, if you want to send us um, any emails we'd love to hear from you martinandruthpodcaster at gmail.com if you want to hear full versions of the music and there's some brilliant stuff on there there's uh, Scott Walker and uh, Django Reinhardt there's all sorts of fine stuff Uh, The uh, Badfinger, some of those of yours um, Barney (laughs) Artist there's several really good tracks uh, on there Uh, how do they do it
3: uh, you just go onto Spotify and search Martin and Ruth, or search Ruthie, me and my dad.
1: Excellent, uh, and we'll be back hopefully next week. With a fingers crossed, another, another you fingers, never know what's going to happen. You but. never know, but fingers crossed, we're back next week.
0: Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more